Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. The name of this book is Secret, Chapter 25. But before we begin, we are going to... Okay, that's another interesting. So we are going to read a shout-out, or we're going to give a little shout-out to somebody who left us a review, right, Pay? Okay, it's from Brooke is 16 and she is 7. Oh, she is... Oh, oh, it says Brooke is number 16 and she is 7. So somebody who was seven in February of this year, said, I love your podcast and I think you should make more, please. Tell the different number one, and then it says something like number two. I don't, we don't know what that ne- means, or number three. We don't know what that means, but if you can tell us what that means, we will totally do it. Okay, ready for the show, Peyton? Ready for the show? Okay, she's like half falling asleep. Are you falling okay, asleep? Okay, okay, no. <laughs> you have to keep going. Well, because you're falling asleep. No, I'm just closing my eyes. Okay. Chapter 25. It's called Prisoners. They say that eyes never lie, but I think it's much true to say that hands never do. It was inevitable. In a life as long as Miss Mobius's, that she exposed her hands now, and that she exposed her hands now and then. Still, she hadn't lived as long as she had let let a little spill rattle her. Seconds later, she had slipped on a new pair of gloves, as if nothing had happened. She turned to Gloria, who was sitting in a kind of a stunned stupor. Do you mind giving us a moment? Not at all, said Gloria, not moving. Thank you, said Miss Mavius, nodding to a spa staff person who had been standing there discreetly nearby. Oh my goodness, let's see here. Um, yeah. Silently, he helped Gloria out of her seat and led her away as if she was, if she were invalid, perhaps an inmate at an asylum. Miss Mavius turned back to Cass and Max Ernest. So, where's the notebook, she asked, her chilly voice now an icy storm. Before telling you how Cass and Max Ernest responded, let me remember. Let me remind you of something that Max Ernest mentioned at an earlier point in their narrative. They were only 11. They were surrounded on all sides by spa staff. They had no idea if or how or if they were ever going to get out, get home. They had no weapons in their pocket, nor any knowledge on how to use weapons that sh- they should have had. One uh, uh, they were not superheroes, in short, they were kids, and they had just seen one of the scariest sights of their young lives, although, although I think Miss Mavius's hands would have spooked anyone who, have <laughs> anyone who had happened to see it, no matter what age. So please, have sympathy when I tell you that they didn't hesitate very long before giving Miss Mavius what she, they wanted. First, however, Max Ernest looked over at Cass. He didn't say anything out loud, but his expression said something like, Okay, you are right, I made a terrible mistake, and now they're in the worst now we're in the worst trouble of our lives, and I'm really scared, and what should I do? 
And then Cass nodded back in a way that she said something like, yeah, yeah, I understand all that, and I'm really scared too. Just hurry up and give Miss Mavius the notebook before she kills us. Really, what was the alternative? And then, and only did, did Ma then, did Max Ernest pull the notebook out of his bag. Miss Mavius took her re-gloved hands, trembling. At last, how many years have I waited? Well, now you have it, so I think we'll just go, said Cass, mentioning, uh, motioning for Max Ernest to get up. You're not going anywhere, said Miss Mavius sharply. She opened the notebook and looked briefly at the inscription. Then she flipped through the pages, the blank pages with increasingly irritation. As much as kids had when they first looked through them. This is all? What kind of trick is this? Here, let me look, said Dr. L. He opened the notebook and glanced briefly at the inscription, the bare ghost of a smile crossing his face, and then handed the notebook back to Miss Mavius. I think you'll find the notebook is quite full. If you look on the underside of the pages, Miss Mavius looked searchingly at Dr. L. A code? He nodded. So then it is his. It's real, he said with a, she said with a palpable excitement. Miss Mavius fiddled with the notebook impatiently until its accordion-like pages opened up in front of her. Quickly, she scanned the pages of, as if searching for a particular word or phrase that she had expected to pop out. When she got to the last page, she looked up in rage. Where's the rest? What did you do with it? Uh, we don't know where it is, said Max Ernest nervously. We thought maybe it ripped out some of the pages. Liar, Miss Mavius screamed. You read it and you, and now you're keeping it from me. Max Ernest cowered, a far cry from excited, the excited boy an hour earlier. Cass tried to defend him. He's telling the truth. That's all there was. Miss Mobius appeared for once to have lost control, and she was hardly listening. The secret. He, I know he found the secret. He was so close. He must have it. He kept it from us, but he can't anymore, and I'll, and neither will you. I won't let you. She gripped Cass and Max Ernest by their forearms, showing the, showing the surprising strength in her frail fingers. Tell me what it is, she hissed. Tell me the secret. At the sound of, Mac, of Miss Mavius's words, Daisy, who had not seen since she, they had not seen since she'd arrived at the spa, but who Cass now realized must have been lurking, appeared at the entrance of the tent, blocking the way out of the tall tent frame. Several spa staff stepped closer, enclosing in on Cass and Max Ernest. In the eerie light of the tent, their beautiful tan skins looked like hard shells. On their once sympathetic smiles, turned to stony stares. Cass's first impression of the spa had been correct. It was a prison after all. Have you ever been locked in a room for hours away from from home by people you have every reason to believe are capable of murder or worse? Neither have I. Maybe that's why I can write about it without shedding a tear. Tragically, Cass and Max Ernest did not have the same luxury. They had to experience imprisonment firsthand. Ten minutes after we saw them last, Max Ernest was pacing back and forth in a stage, in a state of agitation extreme for even him stupid 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 he was saying to himself how could i be so stupid will you stop muttering please said Cass. it's really annoying you hate me don't you i mean i don't blame you i hate me too i don't hate you said Cass, in a not very friendly tone max Ernest would be admittingly would 
might be admitting his mistakes, but the image of Miss Mavius kissing his forehead was, forehead was still fresh in Cass's mind. I'm trying to think about how we can get past those guys, you know, so we can get out of here alive. She gestured towards the window where Daisy and Owen would be seen standing guard outside of the door. Far from, oh, from our more comfortable perspective, they were a funny looking couple. The tall door limousine driver and the short freckled butler, but no doubt they were more than just keeping a pair of 11 year olds from escaping. I knew I shouldn't have brought that notebook, said Max Ernest, still speaking to himself as much as to Cass, but they said it was the only way I could get a reservation. How else was I gonna get in? Forget about it, you don't have a choice, said Cass, but since we're on this subject, what I don't understand is why you had to come here in the first place. I thought you were done investigating. Because I figured out that they knew who you were, that's why. So? Max Ernest looked at her like she was nuts. So? So you were here. So? So I didn't want them to kill you. Oh, you didn't? said Cass, trying to get used to the idea. Duh! I swear, sometimes you don't make any sense, said Max Ernest. Huh, said Cass. I guess sometimes I don't, and then she started to smile. As, as for the rest of their conversation, well, if some conversations are too upsetting to record, others are too sappy and sentimental. Have you ever heard two people making up after they've been fighting? It's not very interesting unless you happen to be one of those people yourself. I prefer listening to insults and curses and let everyone else listen in on the apologies and declarations of friendship. I'm sure I don't have to tell you how glad Max Ernest was that he and Cass were collaborators again. However, I think the risk is getting mushy. And I'll point out that he was glad and Cass was glad was more so. You see, as many times as he, as she had tried to save the world, nobody ever tried to save her before. And she was touched that Max Ernest had come to rescue her, that it almost made up for the fact that he had no plan of escape. Almost. Just as the rosy glow of their reunion was beginning to fade, and the direness of the situation was again coming into focus, the door opened and Dr. L strode in. No longer silky smooth doctor with welcomed Cass, that who welcomed Cass into the spa, he wore an expression of fierce concentration as if he was struggling, okay, struggling to constrain a deep volcanic rage. Cass and Max Ernest instinctively backed away from him. Miss Mavius is not happy and neither am I, he said with an ominous understatement. We were hoping to find a certain information. You mean the secret, said Max Ernest a little hoarsely? Yes, I mean the secret, said Dr. Ale through his gritted teeth. If you know anything about it, if you saw anything, and if, if, even if you think anything, I advise that you tell me now. Or what, you're going to torture us, he asked Cass, much more boldly than she felt. Perhaps, said Dr. L, dismissively. He pointed an accusing finger at the kids. But it's what the secret will do to you that you should be scared of. What do you mean? Secrets don't do anything to you, Max Ernest said, stepped and stepped next to Cass. Besides, you don't even know what the secret is, said Cass, talking to Max, taking Max's hands protectively. We know certain things, said Dr. L, coming so close to them that they were backed into a corner. He started to listen. He started listing facts. 
like the man was obsessed. We know that the secret was discovered in 1212 BC. We know where, where Luxor, Egypt. We know by whom, a court physician. We also know that three days after his discovery, he was executed. And we don't know, we don't know, what we don't know is why. He looked penetratingly at the children as though he suspected that they knew the answer, as though they might be responsible for killing the physician himself. Was it because the physician refused to tell them the, the pharaoh the secret? Dr. L asked in a menacing tone. Or did the physician tell the pharaoh his secret? Or the secret was so enraged by the pharaoh that he demanded his physician's head? Well, why would that secret make him so bad? Said Max Ernest. Precisely, but there's more, said Dr. L. Almost feverish now. Before he died, the physician wrote... <clears throat> his secret on a scrap of papyrus and intended the secret to be buried with him and so it was until years later when the papyrus was taken by a tomb robber they had no idea of its value and they may not ever read, have even read it but they died a violent death so after and incited a 40-year war his he searched the kids faces to make sure that they were properly scared then they tried not to show any reaction but of course, they were scared, at least of Dr. L. He nodded at them with a grim satisfaction and started pacing around the room. The subject of the secret of the secret lit his face up with an expression so vampiric that one could almost have imagined a cape bewillowing behind him. In the early 19th century, he continued, the papyrus surfaced in the Prague where it was purchased and curiously by an antique dealer. He gave it to an Egyptologist for translation. The Egyptologist went mad and the papyrus was never seen again. As for the antique dealer, he spent the remainder of his life in a fruitless search for the secret until he died alone and destitute, pretty prey to a terrible flesh-eating virus. Dr. L spun around and faced his young audience eyes gleaming. Now I ask you, does this sound like a secret that you want to keep? So the secret's a curse? asked Max Ernest, his head full of nightmarish visions. It's a formula. It's many things. A formula for what? asked Cat. Asked Cat. Never mind that, said Dr. L. Quickly, Miss Mobius and I have prepared all of our lives to learn the secret. Your children, it will destroy you. We keep telling you that we don't know anything about it, said Max Ernest pleadingly. It's true, said Cass. There weren't any more pages in that notebook, I swear. Dr. L stared at them, weighing their words and their fates. If nobody ever saw that papyrus again, how do you know so much about it, said Cass, curiously, overcoming caution. Did Pietro find it? Pietro had different ideas about the secrets of Dr. L evasively. We did not see eye to eye on the subject. He did. He found it, huh, said Cass, feeling suddenly very reckless. And you guys tried to get it from him when he wouldn't give it to you? You burned his house down and you killed him? She hadn't necessarily been intending to say that much, but now she had felt oddly victorious, as if she'd been waiting to make the accusation all along and had finally succeeded. Killed him, did we? said Dr. Ale, half smiling. Then who has the missing pages from the notebook if he didn't take them out? His eyes turned to steel. Empty your pockets, both of you. Max Ernest immediately complied, pulling out his 
pulling out of his pants old bits of paper gum wrappers and crumpled trading card a chewed up straw and placing them on the table beside them cast put her hands in her pocket her mind whirled earlier dr l was looking at pietro's notebook something had half occurred to her just the smallest seed of an uninformed thought later listening to to the way he pronounced pietro's name the seed had come back to her as if half-formed suspicion. Now her suspicion was growing to full-blown prediction. But how to test it? Dr. L looked at her angrily. Didn't you hear me? I said empty your pockets now. Oh, okay, okay. Cass dug deeper and felt something sticky. Could it be? Yes, it was. Cass pulled out the smoochie out of her pocket. Making sure Dr. L was watching, she brazenly smeared it across her lips, and then she held the smoochie up like a prize. Max Ernest looked at her and saw, thought that she was out of her mind. What are you doing? He mouthed. Do I smell cotton candies? asked Dr. L, frowning. Yes, my lip gloss, said Cass with studied casualness. Lip gloss? Let me see it, he commanded. Oh my god, this chapter's freaking long. Cass handed it to him. It's made by the Skelton sisters, she said. It's just a regular lip gloss, but people buy them because of, of them. Kind of dumb, if you ask me. Dr. L examined the smoochie quizzically, as if it were something unusual, an artifact, if not an Egyptian antique. Then he held it to his nose. He closed his eyes and inhaled, holding his breath as if he couldn't bear to let the scent go. Max Ernest looked at Cass. What's going on? But she just shook her head. Wait. Completely lost in the moment, Dr. L let the smoochie drop right out of his hand. When he opened his eyes, there were tears in them. Did it hurt your eyes? Sometimes the really smelly ones would do that, said Cass. I know perfectly well that that, was, that wasn't what happened. No, it was nothing. I just, just something from the past. Ridiculous. He leaned down to pick up the smoochie. This is mine now, he said. Oh my gosh, Peyton. Dr. L is P Pietro's brother. He'd only bent his head down for a second, but it had been long enough for Cass to get a glimpse of the back of his neck and to get proof of what she was looking for. There was a knock at the door, and Daisy entered. Daisy entered the room, ducking slightly to avoid hitting her head in the doorway. Excuse me, doctor. It's the boy. He has a high fever. They think he might not make it. Miss Mavius says it has to be tonight. Benjamin Blake, exclaimed Max Ernest before Cass could dart a look at him. What are you doing to him? Dr. L stared at the grim, stared at them grim. Miss Mobius is right, you kids know too much, and maybe it's not enough. You have 12 hours to decide whether you remember anything helpful. After that, he left with the threat. Of course, it's all gonna go well tonight. Maybe we do not need you anymore, and maybe, maybe that will be your bad luck. After he left, left Cass turned to Max Ernest. Well, did you see it? See what? The birthmark on his neck. It was shaped like a crescent moon. Max Ernest opened his mouth, speechless for once, at the thought that that horrible, horrible man was Luciano Bergamo. Oh my gosh. Amazing and Peyton missed it. Okay, that was a long freaking chapter. My gosh. Okay, bye.